We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see Who you'll be It's time to express yourself Where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Knowledge is power. Information is food for the mind. Nourish yourself with education. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Hannah Hundle, and today the theme for our show is the gift of education. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity. Each week, we bring you a stimulating, mind-bending, motivating program based on a chapter from our award-winning book, Be the Star You Are for Teens. Simple gifts for living, loving, laughing, learning, and leading. With this week's theme, The Gift of Education is Homework, Good or Bad, we're going to examine all the facets of effective learning and expose the steps that we can take to become more aware, enlightened individuals. To give us a foundation on the subject matter, we're going to read the wonderful Dr. Don Martin's story, The Gift of Education, from the Be the Star You Are Teens book. Hope you enjoy. My early years unfolded in a very sheltered world, where thinking, questioning, taking an opposing view, and intellectual stimulation were not valued or encouraged. In fact, these gifts were considered suspect. Upon graduating from high school, my next step was dictated to me, as it was to my siblings. We had to spend at least one year enrolled in a Bible school. Sadly, none of my siblings ever graduated from college. Thankfully, I did earn my bachelor's degree, even though my undergraduate experience was greatly lacking in terms of exposure to a broad liberal arts education. As my senior year of college approached, it was clear that moving away from the sheltered environment of my youth was a must. Knowing very little about the incredible education options available to me, I applied to the only graduate school to come to my attention during college. Much to my amazement, this institution offered me admission. Upon learning of my intention to enroll, one of my parents tried to talk me out of going. If anything, my commitment to pursue my educational goals only increased. In the end, it was my great honor to earn both a master's and a doctoral degree. My life has been enriched beyond belief as a result. While pursuing my doctoral degree, life's path took a very dark turn. My marriage unexpectedly came to an end. In addition, interactions with my family became strained beyond repair as I moved away from many of the beliefs that had been forced upon me in years gone by. There were times it seemed that my path was taking me through a continuous dark tunnel with no end in sight. But the light did shine again, 
with the help of some key influencers, a personal fate that was solely mine and an unwillingness to give up, things eventually came together in every area of my life. Should you wish to pursue an education, do not let anyone or anything stand in your way. You have already read about the personal and family crisis, crises that have unfolded during the pursuit of my doctoral degree. degree. Let me share another test of my commitment. My first response from the institution to which I had applied was a denial letter. This was extremely disappointing. After a few days of cooling off, I placed a phone call to the admissions office asking if it would be possible to get some feedback on my application. Upon hearing this feedback, it became clear that only, a, only one of the first of two GRE test scores had been placed in my file. I asked if I could provide the second set of scores and was told yes. An additional, an additional letter of recommendation focusing on my academic skills was also requested. Both were immediately provided to the admissions office. Within a month, the same institution admitted me, and not only that, they reduced the number of courses required for my program of study from 27 to 18. In effect, this was already having completed one year of studying before enrolling. Education is truly a gift. In many ways, a gift to yourself. It is an investment that always provides a wonderful return, including financial gains. The requirements for fulfilling your educational goals are only two, persistence and determination. Contrary to what many think, Getting an education is affordable, can be accomplished at any age, does not require that you have a perfect IQ, and reaps huge benefits even if you do not attend one of the top-ranked institutions. If I could earn an undergraduate and graduate degree, anyone can. That means you. So an exercise we can do is called Persistence Prevails. You can take a sheet of paper and write down all the obstacles you believe are holding you back from pursuing your educational goals and dreams. Then, place either word persistence or determination beside each item. This will be your guide in overcoming the obstacles you believe lie in your path. As you have just read, persistence and determination are omnipotent. So if you want to get an education, you definitely can. And I want to share a quote by the 30th President of the United States, Calvin Coolidge, that really does highlight the importance of determination and persistence in obtaining an education. Calvin Coolidge said, nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful people with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. The slogan, press on, has solved and always will solve the problems of the human race. This is so important. You know, there are so many people who are told that cannot do something because of, you know, the talents that they don't have or the education that they don't have. And it's, and a lot of it comes from, you know, them individuals thinking that because they don't have something that they think they need, they can't do anything. And, you know, when I got awarded the uh, Dan Danner Leadership Award for um, entrepreneurship, you know, I was thinking, you know, my business, it seems like they can't even compare to the other kids that have been nominated for this award. You know, this kid, you know, he's been awarded so many, so many awards and he's been given so many things and he has so many resources. And then this other, this other girl who has a business, she, you know, she's a lot more successful than I am. And at that moment before I got that, 
uh, scholarship, I was thinking all of these things that, that I don't have that will prevent me from getting that scholarship. And at, at the split second before they announced the name, you know, I was thinking, you know, I can win this scholarship because this is what I have. And, you know, I came all this way and you, it's not like you're going to be there for nothing. You know, you're there, you got the experience, you got that other award and you're here with four other people who got chosen out of thousands of other kids who were, who were entering. Wow. Wow. That is incredible. And I think it's a real testament to your determination. I mean, starting a business is not easy for someone of any age, but especially when you're young and you sort of have the, have the deck stacked against you, um, proving to people that you're serious and then you can make a difference and that people are going to want your product. That takes so much determination and persistence. And I'm actually really intrigued by the juxtaposition of these two terms. And I just looked them up because I want to kind of see what the difference is. And according to Merriam-Webster's Collegiate Dictionary, persistence is defined as the quality that allows someone to continue doing something or trying to do something even though it is difficult or opposed by other people. Mm-hmm. And determination apparently has more to do with decision-making. So it's the act of deciding definitely and firmly. And mm-hmm. I think both really, although they might be used interchangeably, I think both have slightly different nuances and that, that are important to recognize. You know, Especially for you, starting a business, you really have to make a conscious decision to determine that you're going to plow through each struggle that you're facing. And I think it's so great that you've been honored for, ju- for doing just that. It, it's a very tough uh, journey and even adventure. You know, it may be hard, but it's so fun. You, know, you get to experience things that you never even thought you'd be able to do. And you experience things that not every kid in this country gets to do. And it's a lot of risk-taking uh, and a lot of persistence. You know, even though you get something wrong, you're going to still keep going and you're going to make a different decision that will allow you to make the same mistake. It's just keeping going with whatever you're doing and finding out new ways to make it better. Right, right. And Asia, what do you think winning this award has meant for you in terms of moving forward? Has it really kind of lit a fire in your belly to keep on keeping on with your business and with any other goals that you may have for yourself? It definitely gave me the view of every single minute of hard work that I put into this business is finally being recognized. You know, I'm finally, you know, having that light go off in my head that, hey, I came all this way and now I have this. And Mm -hmm. it's such an honor. And I was so excited. You know, I'm finally, you know, I'm more uh, passionate about going to college and you know, I've always been passionate about going to college but now it's a further drive to go because I know that I have the resources to do it and I know that I have the complete ability to go for it I don't have to worry about the money I don't have to worry about the credibility I don't have to worry I just don't have to worry anymore you know and it's and finding the courage to make all these decisions that go with the business that go with college it's it's kind of me thinking, you know, if I don't make a decision now, I'm never going to do it. And if I don't make a decision about this, it's never going to happen. And even if I fail at it, it's a way of telling me that, hey, maybe you should make a different decision, you know, according to this situation. And maybe that will be a better outcome. Mm, yeah. And, you know, college is on the horizon for both of us right now. And I think it really will be a journey of uncovering the persistence and determination within each of us because, 
you know, for me, I'm moving to the other edge of the nation and I'm going to be in a completely new environment. I'll be in a big city, whereas I grew up in kind of a small, everybody knows everybody type of town. And, you know, it will take a lot of determination, a lot of conscious decision on my part to use the resources around me in order to better myself and to further my education and not to be kind of bogged down in sort of the newness of everything, but really Mm -hmm. just appreciate it all and take what I can from it and keep on moving forward. Yeah, it's, it's something that's going to help us actually, I think, find our, ourselves. And it's going to help us, you know, find what our drives are and how we're going to keep going at it. And, you know, I'm really happy for you that you got into Harvard. And I think that's just so amazing that you got oh, that. Thank you. And, you know, how was it when you found out that you're going to Harvard and that you was it something that you always wanted? Was it something that you were like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll go for this? Or was it there something else that you wanted to do? What was it like when you knew you got into Harvard? Well, I think the moment I found out is really actually quite similar to the moment that you experienced when you won that award. I mean, it's this feeling of your whole history converging on that one moment mm-hmm. and you're kind of understanding for once why, you know, your journey was a certain way every struggle you may have faced, every triumph you may have faced, it all kind of converges in that one moment. And it's an incredible, just ground-shaking feeling, you know, for me sitting in my room when I found out. I was thrilled and awed, and it's so hard to even describe. And I think it's the same sort of feeling that you were describing, too, about just having all the work you did come to fruition. It's so wonderful. It is. So thank you very much, Asia, for engaging in this thrilling discussion about how determination is the fuel for our journeys. During the break, everyone, be sure to check out our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, and more. I'm Hannah Hundle. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Also, please visit our charity site at btsya.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash Stay right here with us as we continue our conversation on education. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Tune in every Monday for Purple Songs Can Fly. Our program serves as a musical outlet for children being treated at the Texas Children's Cancer and Hematology Centers. These songs are flown all over the world and even into space. Hundreds of songs have been written and recorded and have been part of shuttle missions, airline in-flight playlists, toured with the Rolling Stones, gone undersea and to the top of Mount Everest. Join our hosts for some great music on Purple Songs Can Fly, Mondays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids. Looking for a show about your favorite movies, stars, and DVD releases? Get ready for Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Channel. Your hosts, the Kids First film critics, preview all the latest movies before they're released interview stars on the red carpet, and share their reviews with you so you can make informed decisions about what you select to see. Our reporters, ages 7 to 16, will bring you a kid's perspective on these films. Kids First Coming Attractions is heard every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Kids. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring.
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. You are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. I'm Penna Hundle, and today our show is all about the gift of education. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. When I said we have a stimulating show, show in store for you today, I was not kidding. We are so excited to welcome the amazing Sue Lawson, an author for books for children and young adults. Sue's love for books began when she was a child on a farm in country Victoria, where she spent her time reading, writing, obsessing about Aussie rules, football, listening to her father and grandfather's stories, and avoiding working with the cattle. These days, she's added stationary shops to her football obsession, and when not writing, works part-time for the Geelong commercial radio station, Bay FM, and works and runs workshops for young people and adults. Her latest book, Freedom Ride, is based on actual events, and we're looking forward to diving into it today. So without further ado, welcome to the program, Sue. Thank you for joining us. It's lovely to be here, guys. It feels very strange sitting here in my office talking to you, but it's a good (laughs) feeling. (laughs) Thank you so much. We're so happy to have you on, and I understand that you've loved to read since you were a child. When did you learn that you loved to write? Yeah, I'm one of those people who spent my nose buried, spent my time with my nose buried in a book. Nancy <laughs> Drew, which you guys are too young to remember, oh. was a favourite. Oh. Uh, lots of English writers. So, yeah, I've always loved reading. And then that grew into loving writing as soon as I went to school and was able to do that. Mm. That's so cool. And, you know, me being a reader myself, I probably read at least four books in one night. You know, I'm trying, I'm reading one book and then I drop it and then I pick up another one and then I'll drop that one. And most of the time my parents used to have to come in and say like, Asia, go to bed. I'm like, stop. <laughs> go to sleep. <laughs> so, you know, I tried writing. Uh, it didn't work for me. But writing involves, from what I understand a lot, uh, a great deal of time alone, you know, trying to pick up your ideas. Is it a lonely process? Like, how does that? It kind of, it's a funny thing. Um, you would be able to write Asia, no worries, because you read so much. Reading is the key to writing. If you read a lot, you understand what makes story work and you understand what makes a story good. So from that point of view, when you decide you want to write Asia, you'll be able to blow it out of the water. But being on your own, you do spend a lot of time on your own, and I'm going to sound like I have some sort of mental illness here, but the characters become real to you. And so you're not actually alone, you're living with your characters. And then you have this band of writing friends who support you and who work through it with you and who understand it. So yes, you work alone, but you spend a lot of time with other people as well. That's so cool. Wow. And, you know, you mentioned characters. Had how do you develop your characters? Are they modeled even in part after people in your life, after yourself? Uh, look, they're kind of, they say your first book is pretty much about you. And when I finished my first book, uh, it came out, which was Dragon's Tear, a junior fiction book. My girlfriend rang and she said, oh, that is so you. The main character <laughs> is you. And I had no idea. Um, <laughs> so you can't help but bring a little bit of yourself to it. 
But generally what I do, uh, I have a notebook I carry everywhere. It's an A4 size. I start off doing a collage of what my character looks like. This is once I've got the idea for the story. And then I do character profiles. So I really nut out my character. And it'll be things like, it might be the length of your hair, Hannah, that in the photo that I'm looking at that I go, wow, that's beautiful hair. I might use that. Or it might be the way, looking at the photo of Aisha as I'm talking, it might be the way she's tilted her head on the side. Or maybe I'll put the two together and have the curly hair with the long hair. And it's sort of, you can't help but have people influence your character, but you don't write about one person, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh, you know, just hearing about how people, uh, you know, build up their story and their characters is just so interesting to me. Yeah, I, I just love how creative it is and you know I really wish that a lot more people would get into that kind of thing you know reading and I tried to get my brother into it and it was very hard <laughs> but <laughs> I had the reverse with my uh, daughter I actually came in one night and she had a torch in a room and I said well what's this about she said well mum I was trying to read by the light of the electric blanket but I was getting too hot so I've got <laughs> she is a mad reader which is a good thing but yeah boys can be tough to get going you know, how do you think it important it is for students to read novels as a part of their education? Look, students are going to hate this because there's nothing worse when you get given a book and you go, oh, God, I have to read this. But it's so important because I think books teach you empathy. They teach you about the world. I can still remember studying Catcher in the Rye and just being blown away. That was just the most amazing book. And even now I still love it. And I just think literature has such an impact on us it's important to learn too to question motivation and to understand why characters behave like they do and why say for example with Holden why he was behaving like he did and that's where literature is really important in the classroom yeah and do you think that you know reading novels can not only help broaden the educational prospects of children but it really does teach them how to interact socially and what is acceptable socially and can have that sort of influence on them as well oh absolutely because you get so caught up with the character pardon me you get so caught up with the character that you can't help but being um drawn into their story and seeing things from their point of view you know if you think of a character that you didn't particularly like in a novel you get to learn why they behave like they do Um, You know, the character, the father in the book Freedom Right that I've just written, towards the end you go, oh, oh, right, that's why he's like he is. And so that's an important thing to teach people empathy. That's really, you know, I agree with that, you know, with the social aspect of children reading books, you know, it teaches them, like you said, you know, why somebody acts that way or or what happened with that person. I think it just gives them a better understanding on how to read people and how to talk to people. And, yeah. and be more tolerant of people too. Exactly. It teaches them some moral values. <clears throat> Sorry, I've got a frog in my throat this morning. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, just by reading, you know, they start to fall in love with the characters and then there's some characters that they don't like. And it's like they learn what person, what person is good, what person is bad, you know, the morals that they have at the end of the book, then they can learn how to apply it. Yeah, and you know, I just finished reading uh, the memoir, My Beloved World, by the U.S. Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor, and in there she talks about the idea that 
imagination is so important. We cannot lose the ability to imagine ourselves in someone else's shoes. Mm-hmm. And I think literature opens up that world for children. Look, I think that's vital, and that's a thing in the book um, because it's about race relations. Now, I'm a white Australian person. I don't understand racism from an Aboriginal point of view here in Australia. But by reading the book, I'm hoping that, you know, people will be able to go, oh, right, gosh, that's how they've been treated and that's why they react how they do. And that's where, as you said, it's so important. Yeah, and, you know, because this book is based on actual events and you said that, you know, you don't personally identify with it, how do you research it and make sure that your research is comprehensive and thorough and really paints a picture with depth? Yeah, what I did was I uh, copped out a little bit. Uh, my main character is a white boy in a very racist town, which because to give you the background, I had no idea growing up that in Australia we had a form of apartheid. We were just as um, segregated as America was at the time, and this is in the 60s. And I suddenly went, you know, later in life went, oh, my goodness, here I am, you know, going, oh, yes, the freedom ride in America, that's fantastic, and let's stop apartheid. And I thought, hold on a minute, what about my backyard? And so what I did was have a white boy starting to realise what was happening around him because, I can't, as I said, I can't write from the Aboriginal perspective, but I can certainly show it and show what it's like looking at it and going, oh, that's really terrible. How on earth do we behave like that? Yeah. You know, you have, your novels have a very distinct Australian flavor. Do you think that American teens would be able to relate to your characters and the situations that they face in the story? Look, yeah, I think they would, Aisha. I think the biggest challenge would be the Aussie rules stuff because <laughs> there's a bit of, in one of my books in particular, After, um, yeah. he's set very much in a country town and that whole AFL football how it brings the community together but that's not a foreign thing to America because you have your own sporting things you know that pull a place together so it's just sort of being able to step out of that and go all right that's how it works there so yes I do think they would work for American teenagers particularly too because I tackle really light topics like um, racism and getting to know who you are and coping with death and grief and you know I'm a light happy sort of topics not (laughs) And I think that's what novels are useful for. You know, they're able to, you know, instead of learning those things out in public, they're able to learn it kind of, I guess you would say in private, you know, they're able to learn it on their own pace. They don't have somebody else, you know, having them, forcing them to learn these kind of aspects in life and the hard times in life. You know, I guess teens could use the books uh, that have those problems and those issues and the characters like to kind of understand what it would be like. A safe way to go through horrible experiences is how I like to put it. Yeah. Right, right. Because I think you could really dissect it um, and take your time to ruminate over it instead of being confronted by the harsh reality of it. Absolutely. So thank you very, very much, Sue, for all this information. And you radiate passion and purpose. And we thank you for all that you do. Oh, thank you, girls. During the break, everyone, be sure to check out Sue's website at suelawson.com.au. The book is called Freedom Ride, and it is a riveting read. I'm Hannah Hundle. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Also remember to visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com. We'll be back in the next segment as we continue our conversation with Sue.
We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. What does indie mean? It's short for independent. What does that mean? Whatever you want it to mean. When you are indie, you don't just go with the flow. You set the pace. Indie can mean a style of music, dress, or just a way of life. It's what sets you apart from the rest of the crowd. Everybody has a little bit of indie in them. It's beautiful. It's cool. It's you. Tune in to Indie on Voice America Kids. Live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. If you don't feel indie yet, make it a part of you. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. I'm Hannah Hundle, and today's hot topic is the gift of education. And I'm Asia Gonzalez, and we are back with the very awesome Sue Lawson, author for children and young adults. In 2012, Sue's book, Pan's Whisper, was shortlisted shortlisted for the Prime Minister's Literary Awards, was a notable book at the Children's Book Council of Australia, and Book of the Year Awards, and won the Australian Family Therapist Award for Children's Literature. You don't even know, was shortlisted for the Western Australian Premier's Book Awards in 2014. In her latest book, Freedom Ride, Robbie knows bad things happen in Walgreens, but it's nothing to do with him. That's just the way the Aborigines have always been treated. In the summer of 1965, Racial tensions in the town are at boiling point, and something headed Waldry's way will blow things apart. It's time for Robbie to take a stand, and nothing will ever be the same. Wow, how thrilling. Hi again, Sue. Thank you for staying with us. Oh, pleasure. My pleasure. Now, do you have any sort of quirky writing routines or habits that are unique to you? Look, I think the quirkiest thing I do, apart from my new stand-up desk, which I absolutely love, it's got a little timer, and every 40 minutes I pop up like a little meerkat, but apart from that, my quirkiest thing is my notebooks. And people go, why notebook? But It's because I tend to lose things all the time. I'll write on a scrap of paper and then go to get it. In fact, if you'd seen me trying to find my headphones when I sat down this morning, but that's another story, uh, I, I lose things. So I keep everything in a notebook. And that goes with me everywhere, this particular notebook, until I finish the book. So it's got editing notes, it's got character notes, it's got research. So that's probably the quirkiest thing I do. And people do call them. In fact, one of my editors did call it the crazy notebook. 
Now, when you're writing, do you have like a preferred uh, atmosphere? Do you listen to music or do you want absolute silence when you're, when you're writing? It depends what I'm writing. I don't know if you guys have watched the uh, miniseries Vikings, if you're familiar with that. Um, but the music in that is really, oh, it's fabulous. It's really quite tribal and guttural. And that's really good for writing a very emotional scene. And there's no lyrics. If there's lyrics, I sing and nobody wants that. So <laughs> I generally have um, music with no lyrics or I'll play things um, that I don't know particularly well. Like, for example, Florence and the Machine's new album, because I don't know it well, I can have that on in the background, but that's getting a bit too new now for me. So, yeah, as long as I don't – otherwise I get distracted and I start trying to sing. So it has to be something either instrumental or something I'm not familiar with. Yeah, I think that's a that's with me with homework. You know, if I have homework, yeah. there's something that has, like, no singing in it. Otherwise I'll start singing along to it and then I just get distracted. Yeah, so just imagine if um, Uptown Funk came on. You can't sit down and say <laughs> that. You've got to move. <laughs> the thing is, you don't start singing, you start dancing. <laughs> That's where the real fun happens, yeah. Are you a good singer, Sue? Look, I love singing, but no, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at it. I, I was better when I was younger um, because I sang a lot in the choirs and things, but because I don't do it a lot now, yeah, it's best I don't. It's something I should do only in the privacy of my bathroom. <laughs> Um, so were you kind of intrigued when you got involved in the publishing industry? Did it take a lot more navigating the machinations of it than you expected? You know, you know, for a writer starting out, what would you say to them about getting involved in the industry? Look, I found the industry incredibly supportive. You hear a lot of talk about, particularly from new writers, about editors and editors want to mm-hmm. change your work and editors want to do this, that and the other editors are your best friend and they're very much like you know when you submit an essay to school and your teacher comes back and says all right well you know you need to work on this this and this they're after your best interests and that's the best way I can describe what working with an editor is like they want the best for your book and I would rather they picked it apart than a reviewer did or you picked it up to read it and went oh that doesn't make sense so that was the biggest thing for me is that they are so supportive and so lovely you know publishing people are amazing people. Uh, The other big thing for me was the courage to do it because I've had, well, four, four tumours on my spine. Um, They are what actually gave me the courage to write. Up until then, I didn't write because I was too scared to. And then when I was 30 and had this tumour and had to learn to walk again and blah, 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 I suddenly went, what am I scared about? So that's the other thing I'm quite passionate about, particularly with young people saying, don't wait for the slap in the face to do, to get you moving. Follow your dreams, make it happen. That's good advice. I think everybody needs to hear that, you know, to overcome everything that that they're scared of. And it's hard, you know, I think fear is the hardest thing to get over. You know, fear is... Fear is horrible, Aisha. It is just a cruelest thing. And it's one of those things, really, when you boil it down, it's your own head. It's your own head. You, you know, so you've just got to, pardon me being rude, tell it to shut up and just follow that dream anyway. What's the worst thing that's going to happen to you? Yeah. So how difficult was it to get into the publishing industry now? Did it take a lot more navigating uh, than expected or was it, was it harder than you thought? 
Look, it's, it is hard. It is, and it, it's about um, persistence. Again, it's that believing in yourself and, and accepting the knockbacks, not as a knocking you back, but saying to you, your writing has to improve. And the theory is you've got to write something like a million words before you get published. So I was quite prepared for knockbacks. I mean, everything you send out, you think, oh, they're going to love it. But of course, that's not right. Some things just aren't good. Uh, so it took me probably two, three years till I got published. Um, I had a picture book accepted first, but the novel came out because they're faster to print and all that sort of stuff, but the novel came out before the picture book. So, And there's nothing quite like the feeling of holding that book in your hand and flicking through it and going, oh, my goodness, I've done this. It's amazing. Wow. Wow. You know, in, in the previous two segments, Asia and I were talking about how you know, when our kind of dreams came to realization, we felt like our whole histories were converging on that moment. And it was such an overwhelming feeling, you know, Asia, when she won an award and I, when I got into college, when you were holding your first book, did you have a similar sort of experience? Did you really feel your whole journey just coming to fruition? Yep. I felt that this is where I'm meant to be. It was the most exciting feeling, but it's the interesting thing is, and this is where your brain can play tricks on you and you've got to get people around you who can support you and say, you know, that's not right. I looked at my husband and said, what if I've got nothing else in me? What if this is the only book I can write? Mm. So you do have that moment of doubt. Um, but yeah, look, now 21 books on, clearly it wasn't the only one. <laughs> so, but that's where yeah, you do have this great feeling that you also, you want to keep going. You think, okay, well, where to now? I can, I can do it. I can keep moving on. Yeah. Yeah. How, how was it writing a picture book? You know, did it, why did it take longer to publish? Um, they take longer to publish mainly because they are more expensive and then you've got to get the, I don't draw, I draw like I sing and you can, you know, that's enough said really. Um, and so they take longer by the time they find the illustrator and the illustrator goes off and does what they have to do. That can be quite a long process. Oh, okay. But the picture books themselves take ages to write I mean, it's crazy. The most recent one I've done is about 400 words long, I think, and it took ages because you play around with every single word and where you want it placed and uh, your characters and, yeah, you're much more, not that you don't care about your novels, but because the words are building towards something and yeah. they're, they're caught up in the whole story, whereas picture books... There's so little text. You've got to make sure every word's right. Yeah. Wow. And, and, you know, you mentioned that now you are 20 books and counting or 21 and counting. Do you f still feel like you have more books in you? Do you think there, there will ever be an end for you or do you envision yourself doing uh, this for as long as you can? I hope to be a little old lady, you know, churning out books. <laughs> not churning out <laughs> because I do. I'm very passionate about them. It's not just a right. you know, job. It's something I feel strongly for. I, at the, like at the, the biggest problem I have is I have so many ideas buzzing in my head. It's, it's which one am I going to go to? Mm. Um, I can be a little bit like Dory too. I can start on one and something else will catch my attention and I go, oh, shiny thing and move on. <laughs> so, yeah, there's certainly no shortage of ideas brimming away. Yeah. You know, has writing been your singular income source or have you done other things to the Oh, look, I'm one of those people who've done a bit of everything. I've worked at we have this massive stadium here called the MCG in Melbourne which you may have seen in different things and I used to work there for a while I've been a teacher I've been a swimming teacher wow. uh, what <laughs> have I done 
I've managed a um, gift shop. I've written for websites. I've been I've worked on radio. So, yeah, I tend to play around a bit. <laughs> wow, wow. And, you know, earlier on we were talking about how much you want to impart this idea to children that you have nothing to fear but fear itself. Is that something that you teach in these workshops for young people and adults? Very much, very much. And I will, with the older students, like for us we have you 7, 8, 9, 10, which is at, and 11, 12, that's our high school. With those guys, I'll go into a bit of detail about what's happened and, you know, that I couldn't walk and blah, 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 blah. With the younger kids, I'll just give them a very short um, sort of, not the little tackers, not the prep students, just a bit short idea and just say to them, you know what, you can do what you want to do, but you have to A, do the work. It's not going to come to you. You've got to work. And B, you've got to believe in yourself because you will get knocked down. You will get told no. You've just got to think, well, hold on a minute. This is what I want. I can do this and stick to that and surround yourself with people who hold you up, who build you up. Wow. Wow. How long have you been running these workshops for? Uh, let me think, since I started writing, and I do it a bit in schools too, when I, I'm not teaching now, but when I was teaching, you know, if I didn't have something planned because I did mm-hmm. emergency teaching, I would burst into a writing session, So, and which in turn comes on with that, follow your dreams. Wow. That's awesome. Think that's, I think that we need more of that. You know, we need to tell people, hey, you can do it. And I think that, what you're doing is so awesome by showing other kids that they can do it, that this is important, and it's just really appreciated. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you very, thank you very, very much, Sue, for joining us today and sharing all this insight. And keep up the great work, and we'll keep rooting for you. Thank you so much. And you guys are our future. That's why it's important to push this message. I agree. During the break, everyone be sure to check out Sue's website at suelawson.com.au. The book is called Freedom Ride, and you're going to want to grab a copy. I'm Hannah Hundle. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Also, during the break, be sure to check out our charity site at btsya.org, which stands for the Be The Star You Are, 501c3 Literacy, and Positive Media Charity. Stay right here with us as we continue our conversation. We didn't invent Kid Talk, we perfected it, and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Tune in to Dinosaur Detectives with Little Miss Dinosaur, Anna Dubois. We'll not only learn about dinosaurs, but also about fossils, ancient civilizations, and ask questions from paleontologists. You'll learn about science in general with an emphasis on paleontology and dinosaurs in general. Anna hopes that this show will start or increase your awareness and interest in the field of science. Dinosaur Detectives can be heard every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids channel. Bookworm is a show for the reader and those that should probably be reading a little more. We'll tackle the classics, the bestsellers, and the brand new works that you won't be able to put down. Your host will be combing the pages of them all and letting you know what needs to be in your personal library and what might be better reading for the bathroom. Tune into Bookworm, airing Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. We promise that listening will be just like delving into a good book. The longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. 
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Hannah Hundle, and our program is Express Yourself. Today, the theme for our show is the gift of education. And I'm Asia Gonzalez, and we've been discussing the importance of education, and we've been having such an amazing conversation Uh, And right now I'm going to share some knowledge on something that we all need to know about. It's a little bit of a twist. Uh, We're kind of changing gears and switching directions right now. Um, And this is something that's very close to my heart and very, it's something that I really want to tell everybody about so everybody is aware of what's going on. Uh, There aren't many people who really know what child sex trafficking is and those who do not know who do know that many say that you know it's only in third world countries you know it's not here in America you know we don't have to worry about it we're fine and right there is a very very false fact and actually America is one of the biggest hubs for these children to be trafficked and 15 and a half to 17 and a half thousand and I will repeat thousand children are trafficked to and through America every year and that number should not exist at all whatsoever. And, you know, the big question is, why is this crime so huge? You know, why is it such a close second with drug trafficking? And because there is not enough light being shown on this subject, and not enough people know about it, you know, it's not talked about it enough, and everyone needs to know the dangers and know what needs to be done to stay out of the line of fire, uh, which is protect yourself, protect others around you. But a lot of people uh, may ask, you know, how in the world do I do that? So one thing to be aware is to uh, one thing to know is to be aware of your surroundings. This is always a must wherever you are, no matter where you are. And I'm not saying to be, and I'm not advising you to be paranoid. You know, that's not necessary. But always being aware is key. And know where you are. I had a mishap in downtown St. Louis one time when I had to go to a speaking engagement for independent youth. And this was one of the days where all of the youth got together and we're just having a day to ourselves. We were all hanging out. And uh, my mom and I have a big tradition on whenever we travel together, we try to find some frozen yogurt place to go to. Uh, and we try to go there to hang out. We, no matter where we are, we try to find one place that we can go get frozen yogurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a very scary moment for me. Uh, you know, we took a wrong turn uh, down the street. And when I got to the, it was very scary, but here's what I did. So that got me out of this situation. When I got to the hotel, we were staying at for those couple of days. I took a moment to look at the buildings around me, looking for something that was different, a detail that was hard to miss or some sort of landmark. And when my mom and I were walking back to the hotel from the frozen yogurt place, we turned down a wrong street and there was no one. And I mean, no one on that entire block. There were no businesses open. There were no apartments. Everything was deserted, so it was just a very oh. area. It was very weird. You know, the buildings were really tall, so there was no sunlight coming through, and it was just very dark. And, you know, my, so my mom and I stuck close, and although we were scared out of our minds, we walked with confidence. We looked like we knew where we were, even when we had no idea. We walked with our shoulders back and our heads high and oozing confidence and strength. And because here's the thing, 
predators don't really look for people like that. They look for victims who are scared and vulnerable, who don't look like they know where they are, aren't really paying attention, you know, looking at their phones, looking at the street, you know, they're not really looking around, you know, being aware of where they are and, you know, kind of showing them like, hey, you know, I know where I am, you know, I, I'm in this, you know, I'm alert and I'm fine and, you know, you really can't mess with me right now. So one thing to really do is to not allow yourself to look like an easy target and that begins with confidence and that's not always easy to do when you're in a very tight situation and or, or when you're scared or when it's just something that you're just nervous about but it always it pretty much always works you know just walk with confidence know where you are act like you know what you're doing um and another point is to never go somewhere that could be a point of danger like an alleyway or a dark parking lot parking lot or somewhere where it's not public if you can help it, you know, sometimes you may have to go there in some kind of circumstance. Uh, you know, you may not have a choice, but just always be on the lookout if you have to do something like that. Uh, and if a certain place or someone makes you uncomfortable, trust your gut. You know, that feeling of unease you get around something is there for a reason. Your instincts are telling you that something is wrong and you shouldn't be around that for your own safety. Trust that feeling. Uh, I had that once where I didn't like somebody... You know, it wasn't kind of like, oh, I don't like you. It was, I, you know, my gut is telling me that you're just, there's just something about you that I don't trust. And it's not a bad thing, you know. Your body is telling you, hey, this is not right and you shouldn't be here because it's not safe for you. It's not you being mean. It's not you being rude. And that's a huge problem that is going on right now is that women are afraid of hurting other people's feelings. And, you know, it could, go, it could go the same for guys. It's not just women only. It's the same for guys, too. You know, just because you feel bad for the person, you know, that's okay. You're being a kind person, but don't do something because you feel bad for that other person. That could put you in danger, you know. If, you're, if some person asks you to help them with their groceries in the car, you know, that's a stranger. You don't know them, and you don't know what, is, what that person is capable of. You know, you may feel bad for saying no. But that's okay. You know, you're, you're protecting yourself. And another thing to really do is educate yourself. Educate yourself about, you know, the statistics, uh, how people um, get taken into the sex trafficking industry. Um, just really knowing what is going on. You know, watch the news. Look at CNN. Look at, look at Fox uh, News. Look at anything that has information about this so you can know what's going on in the world and know your facts and everything that's that's happening. Yeah, you know, when, when, you, when you made that point about following your gut, I think that is so important. And, you know, it's hard for someone like me who, you know, I consider myself to be quite scientific in a way. And mm -hmm. so this idea of following your gut, it kind of goes against everything that I live and believe. But I, I really realized the importance of that in the past couple of years. One time that stands out in my memory in particular was, I think, two years ago. And there was a club meeting at my school in the evening. And by the time that meeting finished, it was completely dark outside. And I didn't drive, so I was waiting for my ride. Mm -hmm. And I was the only one waiting for a ride. And so there I was standing kind of by the rally courts of my school. And the rally courts dipped in. So they were a sort of a level below ground mm -hmm. level. Um, and I remember waiting there. And... I, I hear a noise to my right, and I turn around, and I see this figure emerging from the darkness. And, you know, I, I was quite small in comparison to this figure, and I could tell that even from far away. And, you know, I don't know, just being in that environment, it being completely dark, I see this huge figure emerging 
when it didn't really make sense for someone to even be in the rally courts when it's like 9 p.m. at night. Something just kind of spoke to me and told me that I needed to get out of that situation. And so I immediately went the other way. And I'm so glad I did because as I'm walking the other direction, walking quite quickly, I hear that person shouting, hey, hey, hey. And then as soon as I turned the corner, I just booked it down the hallway. But, you know, following your gut really can save you. And I know even for all my other scientific people out there, sometimes it can be kind of hard to justify this little feeling inside you that tells you that something isn't right, but trust it. It's there for a reason, you know, it's there to protect yourself, you know. And that's just one thing that you've got to, you know, hone in, you know, you've got to learn. If your gut is telling you something, it's most likely right. And, um... You know, just very being aware of your surroundings, you know, where you are. Um, and, you know, like I said, it doesn't mean being paranoid about somebody or something. It's just knowing, you know, what your circumstances and what your situation is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah it's very important to be able to do that. Well, thank you so much, Henna, for joining me on this very important topic. And it's crucial to gain as much insight and knowledge no matter what it involves. Um, as always, all good things must come to an end, and this show gave us an in-depth look at the power of education. When you learn, you grow. Thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer, Michael. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Asia Gonzalez. I'm Hannah Hundel, and you have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, go to btsya.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, be educated, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself go. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. 